Welcome to Secrets from the Saddle podcast. I'm Sylvie Daou, your host, fellow cyclist, bike club founder, cycling coach, bike race junkie, just truly super passionate about cycling. My journey with cycling started 20 years ago when I opened a spin studio, started a women's race team, and founded a women's only cycling club called Cycle Fit Chicks. I'm super thrilled to reveal all aspects that make the world of cycling operate. I'm so excited to be able to bring you interesting people from around the world, pro cyclists, recreational cyclists, coaches, event organizers, bike shop owners, everything and everyone you need to know or ever wondered about when it comes to cycling. I know you'll enjoy this episode. All right, friends, it's podcast time. I will be talking to Peggy Waite Bradley and Damian Bowie about how to train for endurance rides. Since now that I'm doing Gravel XL, I need some serious advice. All right, everybody, welcome back for another episode of Secrets in the Saddle All Things Cycling Podcast with your host, Sylvie Dao here. And I have some really cool uh, uh, friends here who are going to be helping me with some advice for Unbound XL. So as you guys know, I registered for Unbound, um, not thinking it was Excel because I just... It had, I put it on, so Peggy, I put it on my calendar and I said, okay, I want to do Unbound. I heard somebody, I heard about it. Somebody from Ottawa actually went down last year and I'm like, okay, I'm going to put it on. So then when I saw it pop up, like the lottery, I just automatically registered. (laughs) So you registered for the first lottery. Yeah, I I registered for the first lottery and then I like, yay, I'm on I'm going to unbound him. My girlfriend's goes, she's like, you know, that's for the XL. I'm like, well, okay, well, I, what, what do you mean? And you know, cause like when I registered, I thought kind of odd that they didn't ask me what distance I wanted to do. So, um, so then I was like, oh, oh, really? Okay. Yep. Um, hmm. <laughs> Should I contact them and say, this is, wasn't really my intention. And I kind of sat on it and, and then like, I interviewed Damien and he made me feel really good. So I do have background endurance, but it's been like 15 years, like it's been a long time. I still have all the feelings of all the, the long endurance and the sleeping and the, the, the nights and everything. But Damien suggested that we get together with you to talk about your experience in endurance racing uh, and training I understand you've done uh, the 2021 Cannonball. I've never even heard about that. So we could talk about that. So welcome you guys to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here because I think this discussion needs to happen more because more people are doing like more endurance, like whether it's bike packing, which is a little different, um, bike camping, packing, camping, touring, all kind of different, I understand. And then we've got these kind of events. So welcome, Peggy. Welcome, Damien, again. So the first thing I'm going to ask is uh, Peggy, and we're going to ask, we're going to go back to you too, Damien, but how did you get into cycling? Um, So cycling has kind of always been part of my life. Um, Obviously, like I think we all rode as kids. Um, I always enjoyed it as a kid. It was, I'm 
I'll be 45. I'm going to date myself. I'll be 45 in March. And um, so we were our, of the generation of um, always outside and always on bikes. And, um, but uh, my father was a road cyclist. And so um, I, my, my adolescence and high school experiences were always watching the tour, the grand tours, my dad, um, family vacations uh, when I was in middle school and uh, elementary was like going to the course classic, like my first sports crush was Andy Hampson, obviously <laughs> gorgeous, um, you know, so uh, cycling's always been kind of a part of my life, but I was never a cyclist. I was a swimmer. And so um, I'm not a small woman. Um, your uh, listeners can't see me, but um, I'm not uh, the little petite road cyclist that you think of when you think of cyclists. So I'm 5'10". I um, oh. am a, you know, I weigh 190 pounds. I'm not uh, a tiny, like I eat a lot of tacos. Um, I'm not ashamed <laughs> of that. Like I, um, so packing me into Lycra and not giving me carbs isn't really my jam. And so, um, gravel, uh, makes sense to me. So when I, um, was working a corporate job and when I was doing all those things, I gained a lot of weight and, uh, in 2018, I decided it was time to get back in shape. I was smoking a pack a day and I bought like a Peloton and it got me riding a bike, but I didn't want to be trapped indoors. And so, um, I went and bought an actual bike. Cause I was like, well, my dad could do it. I could do it. Um, and so in 2019, um, I bought a cycle cross bike that I named the Punisher. It was horrible. It hurt. It wasn't sized properly. Um, <laughs> And I went into my local bike shop and they were like, no, 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 you should try gravel. And so um, I traded that bike in and I bought my first gravel bike. So I never actually went into the world of road cycling. I went straight into gravel. And so in the oh. fall of 2019 is when I started riding gravel. So it's been like three and a half years, four years almost um, that I started riding. And I am very much um, like I'm an open kimono, full disclosure kind of person. So I'm I'm also in recovery, so I don't understand um, like doing things in moderation. So I, um, but within a year, like I had four bikes and like within, <laughs> within like three months of me buying my first bike, like I had already um, entered like my first race. Like I don't understand, like it's all or nothing with me. And so, um, and that's how I ended up like transitioning very quickly from like a 50 mile race to, oh, let's do the Cannonball 550 you know, two years later. So I very much go all in, um, with everything that I do. And so, um, but gravel feels very natural to me. It's all inclusive. Um, I, I can eat 18 tacos at the SAG stop if I want to, it's probably not. Yeah. <laughs> if they're there. To. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, um, so that's kind of how cycling became part of my life. It was just kind of a journey to get back healthy, but then it became, um, a place where I belonged. Yeah. Right. So, right, oh, awesome. So Damien, how did you meet Peggy? Uh, I met Peggy through, uh, I think we mentioned my friend Matt last time. Um, so Matt and I had rode together since we were 10. Um, yeah. and Peggy was hanging out with those ladies, um, those crazy <laughs> gravel ladies. Um, they had, a, a, so Tiffany puts on a dirt road, debutante gravel academy. And what? Peggy- Debutante nice gravel academy. 
yeah, I love uh, it. Peggy put on a nice uh, photo shoot of her in a evening gown with her gravel bike and cycling shoes recently. <laughs> I She's also it. in the new orange mud calendar with I think one of the probably one of the pictures what? on the wall. So orange mud calendar. Okay. <laughs> like Yeah. So so Peggy Peggy and I are just uh, you know, I I'm uh like we talked about last time. I don't do anything halfway really either. And um, you know, mental health's important and, and Peggy's mm-hmm. story is something just like, you know, we and her and I have connected. Yeah. So and Damien's race was the second race I ever did, the Smithville. Um gravel uh grinder which was it it was Humphreys it was Smithville at the time it's now Humphreys um that was the second race I ever did in the rain I was miserable and that was our yeah so we we do a fall race (laughs) and a a spring race and that uh, that was the fall and I remember him very vividly handing me an oatmeal cream pie and I was like the mayor of Smithville just handed me an oatmeal cream pie when I was Ah. like when I was like tired and wanting to cry and then sent me on my way. And um, like I was <laughs> close to being DFL at that race, but I, I made it through. I finished. Yeah. Yep. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm sure everybody can relate to at least one of those feelings yeah. at some point in time. So now, okay, let's talk about getting into cannonball. So we were talking about unbound. He's like, well, she didn't do unbound, but she did cannonball talk about cannonball and what that is because i've Um, like i said i've never heard of it so there there was a progression to cannonball so it started with um other uh longer races so i started with and that year um i started with it kind of happened like what you with you and your um signing up for unbound accidentally so um i don't know you heard of um the the it was Morgan's first uh, venture with doing uh, desert gravel or co to it, which was the race in Fruta, Colorado, into Utah and back into mm. Colorado. So it was 2021, and that was his first time doing it, and kept getting postponed because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, it was supposed to be like in um like end of 2020 and then it kept getting postponed and it finally ended up being in um like may of 2021 and every time it got postponed he was like oh you can switch categories well i had originally signed up for like the 100 and 100 mile or like the the shorter distance but there was a 190 mile option mm-hmm. and i kept emailing tiffany or texting tiffany going like i kind of want to do it I kind of, you know, like, I kind of want to do it. And I'd, I'd only ever ridden like a hundred miles. And yeah. um, I was like, and finally it was like, I make bad decisions um, when everybody else goes to bed um, because I'm a night owl. And so usually the, um, <laughs> the dumb races I sign up for happen between like midnight and like 3am. And so, <laughs> um, it was like, I don't know, 1245 morning. And I, emailed Morgan. I was like, Hey, can you switch my category from the 125 to the 190? And I like immediately this pit in my stomach, like, Oh, what have I done? And I was like, (laughs) okay, well I'll have till tomorrow morning if I want to like renege on that. And, but he immediately emailed me back because there's like, Oh, (laughs) he's like, like, done. And I'm like, Oh no, like, Oh, it's done. And now I can't go back on it. So that was like my (laughs) first commitment of, of like, Oh, and I'm now, I'm now signed up for like essentially a 200 mile race in the desert and mountains of Colorado and Utah 
oh, okay, now I have to train for this thing. And so yeah. <laughs> um, that started the whole thing. And then like two months later, I had signed up for the last day across Minnesota or the dam, which was 243 miles in a 24 hour period. So you had 24 hours to finish it. So um, you start in Gary, South Dakota and you ride to the Wisconsin border. And it was the last year they were doing it. And I was like, I really want to do that. And so I had two long, like all day races. And I was like, well, might as well do cannonball at the end of it. Like it was just like, okay. Cause um, Tiffany's <laughs> husband, Matt, that Damien um, talked about, you know, it's my coach's husband. I was, I'm close with them. And he had done cannonball the year before. And I'd kept watching all these guys do this. And I'm like, I want to do that. Like I had yeah. come to the point, I'd only been riding for <clears throat> about a year, but I'd, I equate like 50, 7,500 miles. I'm not fast enough. And I like to stop and like enjoy myself. So I equate those distances with like middle distance running. Mm -hmm. If you were a runner, I wasn't a runner, but all I, my friends that were runners always talked about how middle distance was like the hardest because yeah. you couldn't go super, super fast and you couldn't go slow. You had to keep like a steady. Yeah. I think I'm getting this right. I don't know. I'm not, again, not a runner, but I equate those with middle distances. Cause like 50 miles, I have to go redline it the whole way. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I can attest, like, I, I get what you're saying. Like the longer ones you're like, Oh, like you can kind of like take more of your time where the shorter ones are truly like a hammer fest. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. I did cycle cross once and I still <laughs> am like angry about it. Like I don't understand why these people do it. It makes no sense to me. Well, that's it's only an hour, which is that that's fine. Cause it was just 30 minutes done over Oh, 30 minutes. And I thought like, I literally thought I was going <laughs> to, it was the longest 30 minutes of my life. I thought I was going to die and I'm yelling mean obscenities from the course. And I was like, Oh, I hope there's not children here. Cause they'll never be the same. Like I, I pulled over at one point and like, let people pass me, which you're not supposed to do. Like I hated every minute of it. So that that's kind of how I feel about like 50 miles. Cause I'm, I'm, I don't like zone four zone five like it's not my thing yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. I'm definitely a zone two zone three writer and so um I I was like well we're gonna we might as well go into 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 this as training for cannonball and so I started with the 200 miles and which still is daunting like yeah um, yeah that's like three well 300 kilometers yeah. Almost a little more. Yeah. Yeah. And let's be honest, like, unless you're a pro and unless you're hammering that out at like 20 miles an hour, that's an, it's an all day affair and you mm -hmm. have to, you have to plan for any contingencies. Right. And so, um, because I'm a 12 mile an hour rider or 13 on a really good day or 14 on a great day, you know, like I don't have a whole lot of time to waste. And mm -hmm. so, um, and again, like I, it's kind of like, there's, again, there's always an adventure. Like, uh, I've I never had a massive mechanical, but I fall a lot. Like I'm, I, I wreck it happens. Um, even if it's just stupid mistakes, <laughs> because I ride a cutthroat and I have a lav sigla and I like wide tires. I don't pick lines. I just roll over everything. Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes I just, you know, tend to fall over. <laughs> Um, so I have to, I have to, um, I'm not following you ever. 
I tell people, <laughs> don't follow me. I have don't a two four inch tire. You're riding a 38. You're taking your life into your own hands. Like, don't follow me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, it's one of those things where I, um, I ride a lot wider tire than other people so that I don't have to like yeah. be really careful about where I go. I'll go off onto the grass. I'll go to, you know, and I'm okay. Yeah. I haven't flatted or whatever, but you know, sometimes I'll fall over or sometimes like, um, I'm not great sometimes at nutrition or whatever. And I have to, you know, take a minute. My kryptonite is heat and those long races sometimes are in the heat. So yeah. I really have to manage heat well. And so I have to plan my long, long races, those 200, those 250 miles with some contingency buffer in there. Right. So mm -hmm. when you look at when you're up against a clock and a 10, people are like 10 miles an hour, I can do 10 miles an hour. Well, can you for 35 hours? Like that's a hard, like they, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. you have to think about that. Right. Cause people are like, Oh, I'm going to stop and take a nap. No, you're not. Nobody stops and takes a nap. Like if you're winning it, nobody's pulling over to take a nap. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and if you're exactly. losing it, you're definitely not stopping to take a nap. Like, I can't afford those 15 minutes. <laughs> exactly. So um, I'm very strategic in how I think about all of this because I know that come game day, like it's gonna like stuff gets real. It's on. You know? It's on. Yeah, yeah. And it's and it's not me racing everybody else. It's me racing all the demons in my head. It's me racing the elements. It's me racing wanting to mm -hmm. sit and quit and give up at Casey's because again, like <laughs> It's a, it's a, mental don't look, don't yeah. look yeah. like go to the gas I, station. <laughs> I become an right, emotional Damien? train wreck the the that I get tired. I start crying. I start giving up. Like I'm much better. That's like, when you should take a nap. Right. Right. <laughs> or like I, I text a friend who I know is not going to be like, it's okay to give up. We still think you're amazing. I text the friend who's like, get your ass back on the bike. What are you doing? Sorry for yourself. Me? Yeah. Are exactly. you done? No, <laughs> <laughs> no. Then why are you calling me? Get back on the bike. You know, are you hurt? No. Okay. Well then get back on the bike. Like, well, my butt hurts. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> it, are you bleeding? Is anything broken? No. Well then get off your phone. Right. So, um, so yeah, all of those things, like I have to walk through and like, sometimes I have to talk through them with all of them because like I view 200 miles as 20 hours of being on my bike, whether that's yeah. real realistic or not that's what i have to do and so like when i saw the unbound um excel emails come out i sat and stared at that email for like four days and when the last one came out it was 11 o'clock that night and i'm like do i want in that lottery do i do i and i'm like hmm. and i'm like okay i'm like and then i'm like no walk away like just walk away like i did the 200 last year i did it in 20 hours because it was an adventure day like if you read yeah. my Instagram about like, I had a flat, I fell, I lost my gearing, I bent my derailleur hanger, I had to take a bath in a river, because I had an inch of mud on one side of me, like I lost my navigation at mile 165 and had to like, let the, the XL people guide me in hoping we were on the same course, because I lent my extra battery to the guy Gil from Wisconsin, the guy next to me, like it was an adventure of a day, but I finished, right. So that's all that mattered. I wasn't winning it, I finished and it ended up being a a super good time, but I'm like, Excel's different. No sag, no, like you're on your own. Right. Yeah. And so I'm like, Nope, I don't, but I don't isn't there, um, aren't there checkpoints where you can roll in and you can see your team, like your crew? Uh, I don't know. I know. I know. I thought I read that. 
Could be. Gravel Worlds is no sag. Um, XL maybe that there's I, the XL. Go, so when I went to Council Grove last year, I think it was last year when I went through there, um, there was XL riders going at that gas station. So they were getting picked up. So I know it goes, they can probably, if they hit it during the 200, then yeah, they like, it's the same. They try to keep it close to the same course on some of that stuff. But, but can, you, can you take help from outside sources? It, I mean, that's all a DK, right? You're not supposed to, or all of unbound. You're not supposed oh, to. Oh, okay. So outside. it is truly unsupported because I thought I read that, like, and I was watching some videos uh, on YouTube where people were rolling in to their team, uh, you know, dropping stuff off, picking stuff up, and going on. So is that maybe the 200 where there's yeah. like. Yeah, more I know that's allowed with the 200. So I had designated. Oh, okay. Well, then that would make sense. I'm like, oh, I was telling my girlfriend, you have to come. I need a crew. <laughs> no, no, I'm like, oh, you can so just yeah. watch me start and finish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can, and anything that's available to everyone. So as long as they're hanging out there for anybody, then, you know, that's one of the things with um, Cannonball, you know, um, if a rider finishes or if they're there for everybody, you know, we had a guy this year on day one that kind of just hung out and had drinks for everybody and an umbrella and a chair just to take a quick break. And yeah. Uh, if a rider finishes or drops out and they want to go out on the course and see other riders and drop off a burrito, you know, that's fine. But yeah. It's Learn how to eat all, eat yeah. What's station. Cannonball about? Sorry. Yeah, Damien. I said, uh, yeah, any any gas station food, like, you know, the places Peggy's talking about stopping on Cannonball, that's the same course as Unbound, just 200 miles shorter for a lot of it. So yeah. it, right. it still starts in Emporia, ends in Emporia. Oh. Some of the same towns. It's just um, oh. completely unsupported. It's literally you show up in front of the, the theater at the designated start time and take off. There's no big fanfare like with Unbound. There's not a lot of it's people show there. And go. Yeah, yeah, it's show and go. And Peggy actually got photoshopped in this year because she was late again to the start. <laughs> photoshopped yeah, they showed, but They photoshopped <laughs> me into the picture because um, I knew I, I didn't have a great year. And I was second guessing myself going and I should have known because I had to drop on the second day. It was like premonition, but I was at the car, like still messing with stuff. And then everybody, and they're like, you missed the picture. And I said to the photographer, I'm like, you can Photoshop me. And I was joking. And he did. When they posted the picture, he had Photoshopped me. And it was, it was like, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so if, if the ride says, just like Cannonball, so I'll get, sorry, I, I, I wonder, but if the, if it says unsupported or tour divide rules, that means that you cannot accept help from any oh, okay. source that is not available to anyone else. So how, um, so can, can, Cannonball follows along the same lines as any other bike packing race. It's not so technically a race, but uh, we, we race it or yeah. um, some, some people, people race it. Some people race it. Some people ride it. Like people go for fastest known time. Um, it, for me, it's a race against myself of like, um, can I finish? Can I finish without injury? Can I, um, do this without, uh, relying on, you know, a, a support system, like, um, not bringing me things, but like, can I not call people 18 times a day and, and have them walk me through this or, you know, whatever it is, right? Because yes. outside support means different things to other people. Obviously, tour divide world, outside support means physically you cannot accept support. But also for me, um, outside support, because again, like 
but cycling helps with mental health with me as mm -hmm. well, but there becomes a fine line when um, it's some can be helpful, but uh, there's this um, point of diminishing returns where it can be harmful as well. So at what point do I have to ask for help where it's hurting my mental health, right? So it's all this, um, it's all this like, uh, in a long multi-day race like that, even if it's a, I'm against the clock for, you know, 40 hours or it's finish when you finish, um, it's this constant battle of how do I prepare so that when I leave um, for something like Cannonball, I'm the best equipped and have everything that I need both in my um, brain and on my bike in order to do this by myself. And right. then if I can't, then do I have what I need in order to get what I need when I'm out there? And so I am, um, and the people in our cannonball group know this, I am, so as a, as a trade, what I do for a living, I analyze data and I optimize thing in, things in the digital world. And oh. so it makes me very, um, makes Anxious. me want to be very prepared. And mm. so I, um, before and before cannonball the first year that i did it i painstakingly went through the course um and google earth and i even drove some of it and looked up every service station so every gas station um every bike shop every walmart every dollar general every campground every um like dive hotel and i made a services and camping spreadsheet and said like okay and then said like, okay, from Emporia to here, it's 20 miles and the Casey's because Casey's have, different I think that's good too, though, because it breaks everything up to it like bite-sized chunks. And, uh, maybe we should talk about your, a uh, couple of your systems. Cause that's why I need some of your advice to yep. survive. So first, before we get into that cannonball is five days, how many kilometers each day? Right. It's not five days. It's oh. a 550 mile race and it's finish when you finish. So the guy who won it this year, who is, um, pretty sure not human, um, Rob, <laughs> Finnegan, Rob Finnegan, um, it was a new course and he finished in 49 hours. It's um, it, it just for what? the kilometers. It, it's about 900 kilometers. Yeah. 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 He slept. I think, I don't think he slept. He didn't slip. No, he didn't. Cause it's, a, it was 550 two or three officially right like yep. yeah. yeah and if you yeah. swerve on the road you add miles right like you're... <laughs> yeah yeah and okay so, so um most people finish in three days um right. uh for me i finished in five because of the injury and because of mm -hmm. the wreck my goal was four um which is right. realistic for me 125 miles a day it's a it's tough terrain um and i wanted to be able to sleep for short periods of time for the people that finish in right under three they're just taking cat naps mm -hmm. um on yeah. the side of the road yeah so yeah that's, that's probably what i would do that was my plan for this year but um my it bands had and my brain had um different plans <laughs> i love how we go into it with a plan and then well yeah there was a plan <laughs> so let's talk about some advice you could give me yes. um in let's just start with the training since it's yep. january okay. and we got about six months when is when is Campbell? by the way is so that starts the third friday of of, of, the, of september so it's... Oh, okay so september so that's 
we got like eight months there but um so i'm so i need to be ready in uh june what should i be doing now so i'm not a coach i'm i'm just gonna tell you that. well i know but what did you because i know damien i'd love to hear your feedback because everybody does something like i might not exactly do what you're doing but i'd like to know like what kind of advice or what worked for you um in getting ready on the bike like before everything else so um i think you are a coach you are familiar with some endurance like you're gonna know better than me like um how to formulate a training plan right my biggest advice to anybody in endurance um training is that uh, you can't do it in a month that you have to prepare. Right. That's um, why I'm kind of nice. I'm kind of like, Oof, okay. <laughs> and I'm no worse. I'm the queen of procrastination. Um, but, uh, it, but it, there's also this fallacy in my coach. And I talk about this constantly. There's this fallacy that you have to go out. And I think um, I, I run 10 years ago, like yesterday, I ran one half marathon. I haven't run since then, but I remember my running coach at the time saying, you don't have to go run half marathons in order mm-hmm. to run a half marathon. It's mm-hmm. kind of the same with Um, endurance cycling, like you're not going to go out and ride 200 miles or 300 miles every weekend and you'll burn yourself out. Right. So it's a matter of um, consistency on the bike, like just getting used to being in the saddle for, you know, extended periods of time, but not 300 miles. Right. Like Mm -hmm. you already know you're capable of it. It's amazing what the body's capable of. It's kind of like, again, I'm not a runner, this is just experience from my friends that are runners. I have a lot of friends that are runners, but it's like ultra running or a marathon or any other thing. Once you get past about the first half of it, it's pretty much all mental. Like your body eventually adapts to it. It's what breaks most people is the mental game. And so I think a lot of the preparation for me, um, comes in the, um, I like to get off the bike Um, because I get squirmy and I get bored and I get uncomfortable, not, Oh, training inside. You mean even outside, like, okay, I will start to look around or I want to stop or like, um, I'll need to shift around. Like, cause my knees are a little achy or my hand will fall asleep or whatever. What I had to learn very early on for training for very long distances was you can recover on the bike and that you can't. You don't have to stop. You can make adjustments while you're riding that there's a difference between being uncomfortable and being in pain. And Mm -hmm. I had to teach myself that Mm -hmm. Um, Good point. because being in pain, then you stop. If it's pain and it's going to cause injury, then you stop. Right. But if it's just being uncomfortable, like, oh, I'm chafing a little bit or whatever, like I can put chamois butter in a weird place um, riding very carefully. Now you don't want to wreck or anything weird, like people around you or whatever, but (laughs) if my Jersey's rubbing the wrong way or whatever, like just, you don't have to stop. And, and, but Damien can attest to this. How many times in 2021, when we started Damien Cannonball, did I stop to adjust my seats, my cleats, like 18 (laughs) times, probably all of that should have been done before, right? Like this all should have been done before, but this is nerves. This is my brain telling me I can't do it. This Mm. is me breaking out. Um, but all of that's true. It's the fidgeting. Yeah. 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 So, um, and the other thing is, is that, uh, for very long events, learn to train without music, at least for a while, because yeah, I don't use music ever. 
Okay, well then I don't need to go I'm into s- why too much in my head sometimes. I'm like, I need music. Um, <laughs> have a backup playlist for the end because you'll need it yeah. at some point. Like you'll maybe need some music doping like at some point when you're in a hole. But like if you start out with music, um, it's not so much a training thing. It's a you're going to need your electronics. And if you drain them all with um, music in the beginning, mm-hmm. you're going to regret it later on. If Especially if you're not a good cue card writer. And it's really hard to read cue cards at night if all of your electronics are dead um, and you use oh. your batteries to charge your phone. So um, I can give you some tips on like, because you don't want to carry eight extra batteries with you. You're talking about a 35 hour period. And the only battery right now on a on a computer that lasts 35 hours is the Garmin solar. And not everybody has that. And you got to for a sunny day. So unless you want to carry a bunch of backup batteries, really conserve your electronics for the yeah. things that you need them for. Right. <laughs> well, before we get into that, Damien, what kind of um, cycling training advice would you give me right it's now? Sim- yeah. It's similar to what Pat, you said, we talked about last time, you know, get on your bike at different times of the day, even if you yeah, go, you're on saying. 20, yeah, go on a 20 minute ride or a 10 minute ride, just can like get your body used to being on the bike at different times. If you only get on the bike at 6am and mm-hmm. ride for mm-hmm. two hours uh, and you do that, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, whatever, and then your body's going to used to be used to just, Oh, it's nighttime. It's time to go to bed. But if right. you if you start yeah. out at 7 PM and go for an hour long ride, you're going to be, Oh, my, I can ride my bike here and night riding always account yeah. for more time. Cause you're going to go slow. Like, yeah, most people do. Most yeah. people do. And, and if you're not comfortable riding at night, get comfortable riding at night, mm-hmm. like practice it. There's lots of, you don't realize how many noises there are in the world until you're in the middle of nowhere at night Correct. and you hear, and you hear a mouse running down the road or you see an like, owl swoop you. Yeah. 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 Or, yeah. And you don't want to hit a raccoon bombing down a hill. Cause they're like a, hitting a 20 pound weight. Like it's, <laughs> oh yes, this is all good. Get, get used uh-huh. to the, get used to the creatures and the noises at night when you're out there by yourself in silence. And that's when the music camp. comes in. Is that what you said? Yeah. It, well, that's where you have the little speaker on your phone or on your bike to, have, you know, yes. buckshot speaker to listen. But um, one of the things with riding in Kansas that's 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 messed with some people in Kansas and Iowa before on rides I've been on is there's windmills and they have red oh. lights that blink about the same as a bike light. And they think, oh, oh there's a rider up ahead. I'm going to catch up to that or I'm on the right course. And they they can get off <gasps> course, or you get a false sense of hope that somebody's in front of you. It's just a windmill. It's weird. <laughs> Yeah, it's eerie. I will remember that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, especially in Kansas, when you get into wind farms, um, and you're not in the in the foothills, there's wind farms, and you'll see them. Yeah, uh, but aren't they massively tall? Like, yeah, here? but, it, at, but from a distance, when they're 20 miles oh, away, straight ahead yeah. of you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, when I was up at uh, the first Iowind and Rocks, and people didn't turn because they saw red lights ahead, and they thought those were bl- somebody's blinking on their bike, and they just kept going. <gasps> oh my god the worst thing is getting lost on your bike like when we used to wow. adventure race i'm just like are you sure are you sure we're going on the right day? we didn't miss it because like i don't well, want to go 10k out of my way and if you've adventure race then you are probably comfortable with reading directions but if you've never read cue yeah. cards get comfortable with writing cue cards so i may not be saying yeah. this to you, but maybe some of your listeners like i now it's a good point because like you definitely want to and more people are saying like 
you need to, yeah. Okay. Keep continue going. I love oh, writing with cue cards. Now um, I did a race series a couple of years ago where you didn't get the course until like 30 seconds before the race started and they, oh. and that got yeah. me writing with cue cards. And so when cannonball came in order to serve computer battery, I just used the computer to tell me how far I'd gone. And I wrote cue cards. You'd be amazed at how much that occupies your mind and to read and, and it's great in that um, if you do like the ride with GPS format of the cue cards now don't rely on ride with GPS to always tell you correctly where you're going, but if you double check the route with the ride with GPS format. Um, it'll tell you on like on a quarter sheet like this is 10 miles with you know 800 feet of climbing when I when you get in a hole right and you're like oh my gosh I can't do this, I would be like I can do 10 miles and 800 feet of climbing. And yeah. then I'd flip the cue card and be like, oh, I've only got six miles and it's downhill. Great. And before I knew it, it would be like, okay, it's just four more cue card flips until I can go get a piece of pizza. And then it's just four <laughs> more cue card flips until. And so if you chunk it out like that into cue card flips, because if you're looking at your Garmin or your Wahoo, it's like 319 miles to go. And you're like, mm -mm, never mind. I'm going. Yeah. To yeah. Right? But <laughs> if, <laughs> oh my god! Yep. What have I done with my life? You know. But it's like, if, <laughs> holy fuck! I'm gonna just, be out here forever. Right. If it's just ten miles, it's like mm, I can do ten miles, and then before you know it, you're flipping the thing over, and it's like, oh, eight point six miles. I got this. You know, and you're just going along. Yeah, I think the the thing I that I was concerned is is the mapping because it's so far. Like you know, with adventure racing, we have like we get maps, right? We don't yep. travel with GPS and we have to map out our next point, like our checkpoints, we have those. And, um, and fuck if you lose that map, right? Like yep. you gotta be following contours and, and all sorts of things. And uh, so, so how many contingency plans do you have in place for your map? Like you have your Garmin and then you have your cue cards and then you have like map map or right well ride with gps usually loaded on the phone and yes. then one thing i learned because um i wind and rock which you talked about earlier the wind was really strong one year and somebody lost their cue cards right before the end <laughs> so always take pictures of your cue cards oh so good point mm -hmm. and always bring two sets like just bring two sets of cue cards put them in your bike they're lightweight and we yeah. use um, we use like a waterproof paper to print them on Oh, that's a good point too. Waterproof and paper. If you like can that. mount, okay. if you can mount a little clipboard on your aero bars, those oh. are always helpful. They have Do you like recommend aero bars? Because they said like um, pros aren't allowed. Pros can't use them, but in the in the three fifty, you're not going to be in a pack. Uh, <laughs> I know. Yeah, <laughs> like, and then you can like they make a little clipboard that you can like bungee or or zip tie to your aero bars, and then carry a. One of the contingencies I learned was carry a. Just one of those safety brake um, light light sticks um, that you can ditch safety? really easy, like the, the, the glow, the glow stick. sticks. The glow oh, sticks the glow sticks. Yeah, yeah, so that way, if your light dies, you can at least see your cue sheets. So <laughs> I I am making to make sure, damn sure, that my lighting system is on par. That's a, that's like number two. Number one's the map. Number two is the lighting system. That's that's like 12, 18 hours. You know, like, yeah, yeah. And if, so, and if you can get your light low, like they make the mounts that go on your fork, it'll keep mm -hmm. the bugs out of your face. Yep. Oh, 
That's a really good point. Okay. In June, there will be a lot of bugs. It's true. <laughs> That's probably the best. So I do a little, I've, I've made the mistakes of a few things um, with map maps. So like I said, last year at the 200 in um, Unbound, I lost my GPS and I figured out why. So here's a little tip. Um, I did the, and the same thing happened at the dam with my uh, Wahoo Roam. And in the past, I've never had a problem with a Wahoo Roam. So if you use a Wahoo, Wahoos are great. They're super simple. They're easy to load things on. I absolutely love them. However, um, if you run the Roam for an extended period of time, like over 12 hours, um, and you end up in the rain or the mud and there's a little dot on the top of it and it ends up being covered, the GPS systems start to go a little wonky and it may lock up and you may lose GPS. Now it'll still be recording your ride, but your maps may lock up and, and rebooting it doesn't really help. I, this happened to me in two races, Unbound last year being one of them because I fell in the mud and my computer was completely covered in mud. Oh, okay. um, and I had cue sheets for Unbound, but because it was raining, they switched the, the course that morning. And so my cue sheets were wrong. So that's why I had to follow writers in. Um, at the dam, I got cocky and I didn't take the cue sheets because I was like, oh, I got this. And so I had to follow writers in there. So now I have a very um, specific system. I still have my roam. Um, I have a Garmin too. So I have two different systems because I can, I can pick which um, satellite system to use on those. So if one locks up, I have the other one, I have backups. I also have ride with GPS on my phone if I need to, and I have cue sheets. Um, and that seems excessive, but, yeah. and, but I also don't go out with, I try not to go out on a multi-day event running my computer unless I have to. I'll go out, um, running like your phone computer or no like, like my bike computer so all okay. i do is um i'll let it i'll let it run the gps and i'll let it run the the like just essentially all i run is a map on my bike computer with the route right. on it but i will watch other writers and i'll look at cue sheets and like essentially let the computer just run in the background so that it's not using too much juice and try mm -hmm. to run off cue sheets as much as possible until i actually have to use navigation on the computer as a last resort um it's just how i like to ride but it's also made me um very comfortable with doing written directions yeah, yeah. Um, in, in a worst case scenario and i always have like Damien said, pictures of the cue sheets and as and just in case something horrible happens to my cue sheets um, and uh, the route downloaded on my phone because I have had to have ride with GPS talk to me um, in my earbuds to navigate for me through like the last 20 miles of a race before. Right. Um, I've ridden with people that have been bikepacking, racing long distances for years and have never had a problem with with navigation, never. I seem to always have a problem with navigation. So now I, yeah. I am over, over, um, a little over prepared in that, <laughs> in that realm. Well, yeah. Uh, it's easy to get lost in the Midwest. There's, there's not a lot of miles. Yeah, do you want to get lost? Not really. Well, so that, that's another thing that, um, I like to talk about with preparation with, um, and some people think that this is an overreaction and some people don't. 
but um, I, as a woman, prepare a little different than some men. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, I like to get comfortable night riding, but because I, um, I bike pack alone, because I sleep on roads alone, because I'm usually in gas stations alone, um, even, it doesn't matter what you look like as a woman. It doesn't matter if you're a super safe woman, being a woman rider in the middle of the night or even in the middle of the day, it is different for us than it is for men. And so, so what do I, you bring? What do you, um, what, what's extra stuff do you bring? I carry a, um, and I don't have it up here with me, but I can send you a picture of it. I carry, um, and Matt, um, our friend that Damon's uh, talked about a couple of times, he brought me, he bought me my first one. It's called a fast strike whip. Um, it looks like a car antenna that like folds back into itself. Um, right. I've seen those. They like, yeah, they hurt. Yeah. Uh, you would not want to get hit with it. Um, but it works on both people and dogs. Um, oh. and, uh, but this year I also started carrying, um, it's called a birdie and it's a personal alarm system. So all it does is you pull it in the pin and it create, and it sends like a super loud, um, like high frequency um, sound out that's really awful. Um, and it uh, flashes lights. Um, also again, works to scare people off and works to scare dogs off because if your hands are full or you're on the bike, I don't carry dog spray. It's gonna get um, sprayed back at me. I don't carry bear spray, obviously in the middle of Kansas cause there's no bears. And again, I'm gonna end up spraying myself. I don't carry any weapons that um, a will get turned around and used on me or can blow back on me in the wind, um, because oh. windy in Kansas. So, um, I, again, am klutzy and prone to accidents. So I try to carry things that, uh, are fairly accident, uh, proof and, and will, pro- if I feel will protect me, I'm not a weapons person. I'm not a super badass. So I'm going to, um, take what I feel will protect me and then get me away from whatever weird situation. And the only reason that I do that now is because I've had a couple of very scary incidences and yeah. so, um, with, uh, trucks following me out of town, um, uh, mm. things like that. And so, um, now I just am, I prepare a little different. And so, uh, I, I do encourage women to not discount that and to think about that, um, what when they're talking about, uh, long distances when they'll be by themselves. Yeah. So what do you do, Damien? Do you have anything that, uh, you can add to that? Or... Uh, I mean, similar, very similar, uh, carry the same thing. Well, actually I think I gave Peggy mine or somebody mine on a race. Um, <laughs> you it was after my wreck in. when I lost yeah. my wreck. <laughs> yeah. I don't have one anymore. Um, I've usually carried like a little, thing a mace for dogs but usually water bottle works just fine um i carry a rock in my jersey if somebody wants to get a little too close with their car um <gasps> i learned that from my brother he he runs a lot and uh rides a lot and um he and i are both like six three so it's kind of if somebody wants to get out then you know go for it um me yeah. five seven yeah. maybe five <laughs> yeah you, yeah I, I mean i know a couple guys that bike pack that carry um like fold up guns they carry i mean i always have a knife on the bike just for you know emergency type stuff but um yeah, yeah everybody's a little different what they carry um the guys up in south dakota i rode with carried you know eight inch blade knives on their arrow bars like there's 
On their arrow bars? Yeah, yeah. That's terrifying to me. Serious? I mean, sometimes you need a Bowie knife, and it's there's a lot of animals up there that we don't have here, though. I mean, it's kind of like too. If you think about Tour Divide, you're that people at Tour Divide carry bear spray. You know, it depends on the area that you're in, right? Yeah. The the biggest challenge I had on a longer event was staring down a bull for about 30 minutes that wouldn't get out of the way. So I just had to know that's fucking scary. Mm. open range of south dakota he i came out of the trees i saw some cows in the trees and i came out of the trees and he was standing between me and the uh fence on the on the path and i was oh. like i was like oh. i'm not getting around him so and there's cows on the other side of him so i waited for him to finally mosey along and then i dropped the hammer to get through there as fast as i could so that because he'd still probably catch me if i went slow but i tried to get out of there as quick as i could oh christ <laughs> There is no Those things um, you never forget, right? Yeah, there's not a lot of open range area in uh, Unbound, but there is a race called Open Range that you do go through open range and you get a, you get a ride with cattle on the road with you and awesome. as well. Yeah, <laughs> turn the corner, hey, yeah, like forty head of cow right there. Yeah, yeah. So, Damien, do you do the same thing? I think that I ask about your mapping system. Pretty much, I have the way mine is set up is I have a garmin connector on my stem so my stem cap is a garmin connector and then on my handlebars i have the light uh gopro mount garmin mount so i have them on top of each other but Mm -hmm. as peggy knows since she's still got my gps i very rarely ride with one i don't um yeah i kind of know where i'm going usually and if not i'll look at the map or write a gps or whatever i have lots of garmin devices but i usually loan them out or don't turn them on or i'm horrible oh. at i'm horrible at tracking mileage and those different things as well so because I, I have a garmin 530 and what i've done is i've taken so it doesn't show the display all the time until it needs to turn mm-hmm. however I have found that sometimes it would not show up like yeah. the turn like it wouldn't indicate or, or it would indicate really quickly or or quietly or you know i'm like okay that's not really good you know yeah in, in some of the events like uh, mid-south they put out markers so you know where to turn because you right. do get especially when you're in like a bigger pack you definitely need that turn by turn turned on but when you're doing anything longer distance like you got time like oh there's an intersection coming up i think this is where i'm supposed to turn you have time to check your cue sheets or check your check your garmin or gps or whatever make sure you're going the right way yeah i guess so i guess you shouldn't seriously be in a rush yeah because if you get in a rush and miss a turn then you might get 10 miles out of the way and have to turn back and get bonus yeah. mile yeah that sucks yeah and then 350 miles i don't I'll you don't want bonus miles I mean that's enough right <laughs> I know I was like oh it's 500 miles no a uh, 500 kilometers uh, no it's 574 I'm like I don't know if I can handle a 74 <laughs> I know right oh. it's like one of those mental things I can do 500 but add the extra 74 I don't know <laughs> you can do it you can do it it's- so what else can we talk about okay we got food so what? that's the thing yeah, yeah like I know it's very specific for everybody but um what are kind of some of the key things that you like to bring so for something like that um i don't pack a ton of food um because um i pack what i'm gonna need for like up until the first like 
place that I think I'm going to need to stop to refuel. Otherwise, if I packed for the whole day of what I think I'd, I'd need for five, like 350 miles for like 35 hours, my A, my bike would be so heavy and B, none of that food is going to sound good eight miles in um, because it starts to get too salty or it starts to get too sweet or whatever it is. And I start to crave something else or I start to crave real food, you know, or cheeseburger or whatever. So what I try, what I have tried this a million different ways. And now I've realized that pack what I need enough food to get me to the first point where I can refuel and then decide what I want to eat from there. You're not going to stop at every single gas station, but that's where my preparation. And this is again, just my personal experience. But what I found a is that after every long endurance race. So anything over like 150, 200 miles, my mouth is ridden with canker sores after the end. Oh and I God, yes. figure out why. Ugh. And it's because of the stress and whatever I'm eating. Yeah. Right. So I just quit trying to plan for all of that and just eat whatever I want throughout the day. So I plan where my stops are. Like I said, I research, um, where, the places to stop are, and I know when they're open. And especially that'll help me stay on task. So if the gas station isn't open until 10 AM and we leave at six and it's, you know, 30 miles in, well, it's not going to be open by the time I get there. So Mm -hmm. moving on to the next town and know when it's open there. And if it closes at 10 PM, but it's, you know, 200 miles in or whatever it is, I got to haul ass to get there before it closes, or I'm going to not have food. Right. So knowing what time, because these are small towns in rural America, right? So they're not, a lot of them, there aren't 24 hour operations. So doing the research and knowing when things open and close, even if it's just some podunk diner that like Mm -hmm. I can call ahead and be like, Hey, I'm a cyclist. I need like can you make me a burrito or whatever it is? I'm going to be there in 20 minutes, you know, and people are usually, especially for unbound, they're used to cyclists going through these towns and people are very accommodating. And so um, just having a game plan of knowing exactly where every single stop is on the thing, but saying, okay, I'm going to roll through this town, come here, and this is where I'm going to stop for food. So having that first block of food with me, of what I think I'm going to need. And that's usually my quality food. And I'm probably not going to eat it all because I'm really shitty at eating on the bike. So that's where I have liquid nutrition, usually in like my hydration pack and have some quality food that I probably am not going to eat that I'm going to carry with me the rest of the day. So that when it does get to that third Casey's and pizza no longer sounds good or a Snickers or whatever it is, sounds horrible that I can't have like actual like scratch chews or you know, Mm -hmm. whatever is like clean, cleanish energy. Yeah. As backup in my pack. Right. Um, And that's worked pretty well for me, um, for like long races. Now Mm bikepacking, it's a free for all that's, um, two days of serious gut training where I eat, uh, or, I mean, it's like a couple of months of, of gut training, which is again, why I'm not a petite woman where I just eat like shit for two months so that no matter what gas station I go to, um, nothing upsets my stomach so that I can literally eat anything. I can't like, I can eat donuts in the morning. I can eat cases. 
lunch, I can, I can eat Taco Bell at dinner and nothing upsets my stomach while I'm bikepacking and, and I'm good to go. Right. Um, so that's a little different, but you're not going to do that in the middle of a 350 mile race. You will have gastrointestinal issues. Right. So, yeah, that's a last, uh, Oh yeah. No, 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 no. You don't want to do that in XL. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, and you're Canada, right? So, um, knowing that Casey's is probably a better option than like, um, some horrible, like little tiny gas station that isn't going to have, they actually do have some good options now. They do have, I'm looking forward to your Mountain Dew. That'll give me a good kick. And they have things like Pedialyte there now. So it's like, you don't have to (laughs) horrible gate. I don't know if you've noticed that like Dollar General has become very cycling friendly. Like yeah. they have, they have waffles, they have Pedialyte, generic Pedialyte, they have all kinds of good little snacks you can grab. And they're just in about every smallish town now. So yep. yeah. Wow. So I always get a dollar general. I know where there's a Casey's in, in general. Right. So, and I know when they open and close. Um, and I know where there's, I, I'm not a huge fan of Walmart, but I know where there's one just in case I, there's not a dollar general, but in case I need not groceries, but, uh, supplies mm-hmm. that are like, uh, things to like lube or whatever. Cause these towns aren't going to have bike shops. Right. Right. So, right. Yeah. They have the, um, the basic stuff. Yep. They have anything that I could MacGyver, uh, what I need to get three, 300 and some odd miles to, the finish. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my bike mechanic can yell at me later when I get home. Right. So. Here's my bike. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> sorry. I zip tied everything together and used a bunch of tape. <laughs> and what about you, Damien? Um, I intentionally eat horrible stuff when I'm training for that very reason. So um, I do, I do, I do like, I, I, I don't do well with dairy. So I try to avoid pizza. Um, right. I love pizza, but it just on the bike, it doesn't work for me very well. And ice cream, which always sounds good. So I usually try to like, if there's a Mexican place that I can grab some rice and corn tortilla type oh. tacos. Um, I carry some corn tortillas on my bike because I can always grab like Dollar General usually has like the tuna vacuum sealed packet stuff. So I can oh, roll, like roll up. With good. Corn. Yeah. You can take like three corn tortillas and vacuum seal them. It doesn't take any space. Yeah. And then I don't have to worry about the gluten type of stuff. Um, I carry one of the tricks I do is I put like um, the jelly belly energy beans in my tool keg. So if I do have to stop and do a repair on the bike, I remind myself to like eat a snack while I'm doing it. <laughs> Because sometimes you're sitting there and you're frustrated and you might be there for a little while. So you're like, oh, there's, I need to make sure I keep my energy up. Cause then you go get back on the bike and you're tired or lock up. Um, yeah. You're all frustrated. Yeah. And then the other thing that I learned from, from Lance and Matt and Andy, when they did cannibal a couple years ago was unsweetened tea in your water bottles. It gives you a little bit of caffeine. It doesn't give you all that sugary stickiness of like a soda. Oh. Um, and then I carry either uh, like a, at a gas station, I'll grab like a big, Gatorade or water for my fork because then you can also mm-hmm. use it for like a roller. Like if your legs start to cramp up or your IT band start to cramp up, you can use it for like a phone, you'd use a foam roller. Oh. Uh, and you know, I carried a Gatorade all the way back. I mean, it was on my fork all the way till I got back home because I didn't ever drink it. But 
I had one with me. I carried one of those big cans of Coke because they sell at the cans now. And I carried one of those big pickles in the juice um, for like three days on Cannonball. But I'll tell you when I wanted, like when I needed it, it was there. And it was, I was so grateful that I had that. It was like on a hundred degree day that I hit that pickle and I just drank all the juice out of it. And I was like, I think that pickle saved my life. Like I'm pretty sure <laughs> it's called Big Dilly. I'm pretty sure Big <laughs> Dilly saved my life. Yeah. Now that, now they have the pickle, like the, the, uh, the vacuum sealed bags that are like the pickles in juice that are cut yeah. out. Yeah, They're like hoity-toity. I like yeah. the carnival big. Yeah, yeah, the big plastic bag. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then like snack wise, like there's always like, oh, the one thing, so Tiffany has, will be forced to listen to this, um, big red gum. Like I always carry a pack of big red gum because I know Peggy's probably chewing juicy fruit or something but like just <laughs> chewing gum while i'm riding she can't walk and chew gum so she can't ride her bike and chew gum but are you talking about me yeah you oh yeah correct yeah so <laughs> i i usually have big red because it just does keep that flavor and then ginger oh yeah like... ginger helps a lot on reviving your ginger helps with your stomach and your so there's a oh, i carry uh, ginger chews yeah yeah treadwell had uh he had black licorice and the dehydrated ginger like with the sugar stuff on them and those two oh things the ginger is, yeah yeah the ginger uh, ginger, ginger candy it's not like yeah, yeah ginger and black licorice together like as a gum it's really good like i don't know Ooh, he yeah. also carried like a million little cokes in his bag and when he was cracking <laughs> those open but don't you like open them up and just like don't they just explode no he like like he'd have the little cokes and he would open after he filled his water bottle with cold water he would open it and pour the little coke in the water bottle so it was yeah. like a really watered down coke but at least got yeah the yeah because yeah. instead of carrying the little packets you have to you can get those little cokes anywhere usually yeah 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 yeah, yeah. oh the little like in the plastic bottles i was thinking no, the, in the, um no, no they have the eight ounce cans like the the other yeah, the, the i was smaller. thinking the, the cans i was like no Whoa. these are the smaller cans yeah yeah, because like the bottles, you lose the fizz. The yeah, the little cans you can just stick them in your bag. Don't they explode when you open them? No, no. well Coffee. they get a little. You have to yeah, but warm Coke is gross. Like <laughs> the whole thing about Coke is that it's cold and refreshing and like that it settles your stomach down. Drinking warm Coke. Warm well, maybe water, they did, yeah. warm ginger ale. Warm ginger ale's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah ginger ale's good for your stomach. Pedialyte's good. They have pickle pops now at some places, like the frozen little plastic ones that are pickle juice. I, the one thing above all anything else, like don't get super fancy and don't try anything new. Like yeah. it's uh, yeah, yeah. like, you're going to regret it. I get like, I'm like, Ooh, this looks good. Look at this new thing. And then like um, I know. 10 miles down the road, I'm like, why did I do that? Like, like my, the best thing, like when it comes to candy, like in the, when it's warm, stay away from anything chocolate. But like when it's cold, like chocolate covered espresso beans are good. But most of the time I carry like um, Sour Patch Kids or something that's got, oh. you know, because you can get, wake scratch, you up yeah, you, get, well, you get scratch chews that are like similar with that are coated with something to keep them apart. But you can't find those at the gas station. So you got to like, right. what's close to this that, you know, what about licorice? I, I eat black, black licorice. Black oh no, not black licorice. Black licorice. I eat scale licorice. <laughs> ah, black licorice. Uh, I have a hard I, time. I stopped eating. I used to love sour skit. I'm back to Skittles because they brought lime back. When the green I apple, mean, I couldn't do that. Yeah. 
but they're small. So yeah. I can't, like I, big bites of things get stuck in my throat or time swollen, like while I'm writing. And so I found that Skittles and those um, Starburst minis things, those unwrapped. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I can eat one at a time and I can do it and they don't get stuck in my throat. They are easy. They're not too sour. So they don't like make my mouth raw. Um, they're easy to just um, eat like constantly, like one at a time. Like I, I make energy balls at the house, but I can't eat them while I'm on the bike or, you know, while I'm working out, they're good for like sit, which is so funny. I sit and eat them on the couch and they give me great energy. Like they're so caloric and so dense. Like I'm eating them at the all the wrong times, but they're good, but I can't eat them like when you're supposed to be eating them. Cause it's got peanut butter and flaxseed and all this stuff that I just can't get down. Oh, the, back the peanut butter like, balls. I need simple sugars that's easy to chew that is small bite-sized and so like yeah. skittles the mini starbursts the um like peanuts or cashews or you know whatever yeah. but anything that i'm not gonna like because i'm a mouth breather shut up damien don't say it um but, but like <laughs> i um like that's not gonna suck like when i suck in then it's not gonna like make me choke or like suck on yeah. the wrong pipe like I have to think about all of this stuff. Cause literally I'm a very simple person. Like I'm like, Oh, this looks good. This sounds good. And then I'm like hacking on the side of the road because I sucked a nut down the wrong side of my, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I try something, I find something that works and I stick with it. Right. Like don't deviate from that. Like I've tried every single liquid nutrition on the face of the earth. Um, and I found that infinite works for me. I stick yeah. with infinite now. Like it's just I don't try anything else. Like it's one of the one of the things I like to grab if I can find them is uncrustables that are in the freezer aisle, and you just stick them in your jersey and let them de like uncrustables. It's a, they do peanut butter and honey uncrustables. That is just a sandwich. What that, is that? Oh, it's a sandwich. Yeah, they peanut take a peanut, like they take a pretty much a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or peanut butter honey, and then they like press it into a mold so that it's sealed all the way around. And you buy them in the freezer section and then you just throw them in your jersey pocket and let them defrost then you get you know ice on your back and then you pull them out when you're ready to eat one and you go it's for lazy parents who can't make a, their kids a peanut butter and jelly sandwich they made them for you cut the crusts off put yeah. them in the freezer <laughs> section, and charged you ten dollars for a box of them i mean that's literally <laughs> how much have you how much have you spent on food in one of these races uh it's it's funny though is yeah you spend a lot because it's a lot of calories but we're not if we were spending it all on scratch you'd be spending forty dollars on a bag yeah or, i know like on a yeah. box but you can if you get that like i have the casey's app i have like the mcdonald's app i like i try to order ahead or, oh apps yeah yeah the sonic app is great so i'm a slush junkie like i love slushes in the summer again don't like heat but like the best thing ever is like a slush from like a Route 44 slush from Sonic and like tater tots. Like yeah. they're salty, they're potatoey, they're good, they're simple. And like sugar in a in ice in a slush and throw it in your water bottle and just go. Like it's it doesn't affect your stomach. Yeah. It's amazing. And, and a, lot, a lot of the places that have like the fountain drinks, like you fill your water, you like get a 40 yeah, yeah. Fill up your water bottle or like go to a, sit in a restaurant and just fill all your water bottle. I fill them and put as much ice in them as I can because I don't like to drink hot water um, when it's hot out, but a lot of ice and then pour whatever else in there. And then, um, yeah, just dense cal. Like if you get 
like the coupon that's or buy two Pepsis and get a free piece of pizza or whatever. There's lots of things, options to do it, but you'd probably be spending more if you're just sitting at home, going out to eat and doing whatever you're at least out on your bike and having fun. And <laughs> no, I was just curious. Cause of course you're going to be stopping and eating yeah. and um, I'm definitely going to be planning like a meal at some point. You're yeah, going to plan a meal, but you're not going to be hungry, but you're going to have to force yourself to eat. And that's yeah. the thing. Like, don't take all your food for the day. You're going to, this is the thing. You're going to have to take food. You're going to have to take stuff plan. Don't, this is my problem. Do I you use do, a backpack. Yeah, I, I don't. Um, I don't like having things on my back when I'm, I don't either, but as the, is the, yeah. the bladder that. I, I quit doing the bladder. I quit doing the backpack and I put my bladder in my bag and on my bike. Okay. I, will, I will wear a hydration pack for 200 miles and under or like all day races. If yeah. it's a day race, I won't, I won't wear it. Now I wear orange mud packs. They're very comfortable. Um, and I like them much better than any other, uh, other pack. However, it still makes me, no matter what it is, it makes me feel claustrophobic. I like to be able to move freely. Mm -hmm. Hydration packs remind me to drink though. Um, yeah, but it's right in your face. Well, so I, now I, I, I usually... put, oh, sorry. I put, um, my water bottles in my feed bags. It's yeah. not aerodynamic, but they're right in front of my face. So mm -hmm. I'll put water bottles in my cages and then I'll at least have one large water bottle and a feed bag in front of me. Yeah, okay. you have to wear, you can do the 32, 36 ounce and, and but and then like when I do bring my endurance pack, I I'll, I'll use a volet strap to put it around my arrow, like strap it to my arrow bars. And then I can still get drinks out of it. I could still take it in with me when I need my wallet to go into the store or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um but I usually keep a lot of that like especially on something where it's gonna be you're gonna be riding at night. Like I put stuff in my jacket pockets that I'll know I'll need at night. And right i bundle yeah. that up and like strap it to my bike somewhere okay so you do have like one of those little little running like i'll say i, I usually see them in like runners like ultra yeah. runners well, the, but the, they have the little pox here and everything i have one too so you take that off strap it to your your handlebars and then you wear it at night yeah well, and that's what i strap my coat to as well so like we use um down puffer jackets that are really small and you can they'll compact really down. so yeah. are, okay let's talk about night clothing like because you've done this you know what kansas is like in june what's it like it's chilly I, it's chilly <laughs> yeah, I wear, okay yeah i've switched to merino wool so i wear my okay clothes. so i was just gonna say that i'm bringing an extra pair of socks um just in case your other ones get wet you'll want an extra pair of socks and I don't know. I swear by merino wool now. I haven't. I haven't had any hot spots with it. Um, if I could, I and I swear by the same bibs. Don't try new bibs that day. Wear an old pair of bibs that you know aren't going to rub you. I wear Velocio bibs. I love them. That's all I mm -hmm. wear. Um, and and I wear droppers so that I don't have to get all undressed. So um, I wear droppers, like dropper bibs that you can just pull down. Um, oh. Yeah. So how do those work? Cause I have a pair that zipped across the back and they just like, they zipped yeah. in like this and they just kept on coming out and then they pull the hair on my back, not the yeah. hair on my back, but you no, know, no, what no, I, mean? no, like, no. I know what you hair. mean. I have a, a Jiro pair that's like that. And I wasn't a huge fan. Um, I got rid of them. 
the Velocia ones have very stretchy straps and they literally just pull down. And so you can, you don't have to undress everything <laughs> off. Um, and, and because I'm tall and I have a very, um, I have very large hips, smaller waist, um, shorts don't fit right. So I need to wear, I prefer bibs. So I don't have to yeah, use yeah. I like bibs um, too. So I wear my favorite bibs. I don't take an extra pair of bibs unless it's multi-day. Um, in Kansas, it's going to be hot. So you wear a lightweight jersey. I wear wool now. So um, it's temperature regulating. It doesn't stink. I even have a wool sports bra that I like. Smart Wool makes a wool sports bra. It's great. Um, and so then I don't bring um, extra like tights or anything. I just bring wool leggings. Um, Wooly, W-O-O-L-L-Y makes um, a 210 weight um, straight legging that I just pull up over my bibs so that I don't have to change anything. And they work fantastic. I wore them on Cannonball this year. I wear them throughout, I've worn them throughout the fall when it gets a little chilly and they're easy. I can just pull them up over my shoes. And when I'm done with them, I can take them off, stash them in a pocket or whatever. And um, they're not overly warm. They're not overly, you know, um, they don't make me chilly. I wore them yesterday to the dentist office. Like I'm just a big fan of mm. 100% merino wool. Um, and then I wear a merino wool. Um, if I don't have a merino wool jersey, I wear a merino wool base layer. Um, and that's what I bring. Um, and it Do you works. have a jacket, like a raincoat? Um, I will bring rain gear if it's in the forecast. I live dangerously. If it's not in the forecast, I don't bring rain gear. You do. You or you steal my gloves. Or I steal Damien's gloves if it's raining, which is what I did at Cannonball last <laughs> So what do you do, Damien? You have a small... Uh... Wear, yeah, so I use... Um, I, I am a big fan of wool as well. So most my socks and shirts and all those things are wool. I use a wool t-shirt um that i wear even your jersey yeah yeah it's really thin it, it feels like a t-shirt like it's well they it's make wool? a lot of really high quality wool yeah and i have wool hat um i have um wool socks um they make hmm. they make wool and i mean they make wool just about everything merino wool um, really? it makes, it, it's it doesn't smell it doesn't get stinky like peggy said um and then i usually bring if there's i will sometimes bring my down vest or my down jacket that's very that packs really really small um and i usually bring a frog tog jacket they're really really cheap um like twenty dollars for a set of pants and a in a jacket you can get them on sale and it's it keeps the rain off it's big enough that it goes over your helmet um if you tear it you can duct tape it and if there's no more rain in the forecast you can and you torn it you don't want it anymore you throw it away and not feel bad about it it's not a 300 rain yeah cycle. right it's not like gore-tex yeah and in and, and the rain jacket keeps you really warm at night all i mean oh, it does not breathe over it's everything not it doesn't breathe at all no but you're not probably going overly fast either yeah yeah and, <laughs> and if it's like bike packing is different than you know through xl but if you if you haven't been at one point wearing everything that you brought with you you're not really doing it you, you didn't need it so like at mm -hmm. night you should be putting on everything you brought extra 
and then that's when you, if you prepare and that's what you weigh and you're still a little bit cold and that's fine but if you finish the race and there's stuff you haven't even pulled out of your bag you probably didn't need it yeah which is what i do i always bring way too much stuff so i've start started to pare down i always bring this is okay where do you pack it now let's talk about packing on the bike you so, have like how do you set up your bike with your pack like packing the stuff so for for a single day race it's different so if we're talking about like 300 miles or like i know i know xl isn't single day right so you're gonna go yeah. over into a night but for mm -hmm. a timed race that is a long distance so for the x or for the 200 and for the day across minnesota even it's a little different because i had support but um i tried to pack like if my support wasn't going to be there mm -hmm. um and then based my sag on on that so at least have the minimum of what i needed on my bike and then the sag was like bonus like oh okay they'll have extra clothes and all these other things if i wreck so on the bike i usually for a race like that i will have um uh, my tools underneath my bike if your bike is capable of doing that so if you can bolt your tools underneath the bike i find that that is because I do not, I carry more tools than absolutely necessary. That is the one thing I carry more of than I Yeah, need. I would probably be that way too, just in case. So I carry two tubes. Um, and remember, I run very large tires. So that takes up a lot of room. So you usually have to strap an additional thing underneath. I don't know what mm. bike you ride, but um, like my Lauf runs a two, four right now. So I have to- <gasps> You have a Lauf? I have a left Siegla, so I, um, and I run a two, four tire on it. So, um, now my cutthroat, I run a two, two tire on, so I run mountain bike tires. So I have to carry, I, I strap my tires separate from my tools. And so then I, um, I carry, uh, those underneath, um, but I carry two tubes. I carry extra derailleur hangers. I carry chain links. I carry anything possible that I would need to fix my bike outside of, you know, things that just can't be fixed, like cracked frames or whatever it is. And I make sure that I know how to use them going into it. Right. Um, yeah. because, uh, in a 350, in the, uh, you know, in the XL, in the, um, long races like that, you're, you may have people near you, but you may not. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. and then, um, and then, I carry, I don't like frame bags because my legs rub. Um, okay. And seem to not care about that. Um, I don't like no, it. That could be annoying over like 24 hours. I end up with bloody legs. And yeah. so I don't like the chafing. Um, I end up, end up using chamois butter on my legs more than I do in other places <laughs> because I, my legs were bloody by the end of cannonball. Oh my I God. And so I've quit using frame bags. I like I carry a top to direct bolt top tube bag, the biggest one that I can find. Yeah. I carry a very large saddle bag. I have an eight liter saddle bag. That's where I carry extra clothes um, and extra food. Oh, you bring a saddle bag. Yeah. So that's in the front. No, no, behind my saddle. So where most people carry their tools, my tools are underneath. So any, okay. anything that I don't need readily available, I carry in my saddle bag. And then oh, your saddle bag. Okay. Right. And then I have two feed bags. So, um, 
my feed bag usually has my extra water bottle because I have two two water bottles below, one on top. Mm-hmm. My left my left um, feed bag has all my electronics in it, and then my um, top tube bag has um, my my food that I need immediately at that moment in time, and that's right. how I run it. And then I run arrow bars with a riser, so not for being arrow, but for an extra hand position. So mm, okay. Um, and that's my setup. All right, Damien, how do you set your bike up? Uh, my Fargo never changes. I think the bags finally came off it for the first time in like four years. Clean it. Um, (laughs) I don't clean a bike. No, you don't clean your bike, clean your drivetrain. Your bike's fine. Um, (laughs) I always like to have a seat bag to shove stuff in. Like Uh, you like your, your tool bag, like behind your seat. No, like, um, I use a Oveja Negra bag that's, you know, Revelate makes one too that has like a removable bag. It's like 13 liters or so. Oh. So you can put, um, and I, and you see a lot of, like, you'll see a lot of them on the longer distance because you put a jacket in it, you can put, you know, whatever you need to throw in there. Um, so just a, a good seat bag. Um, and then either frame bag or half frame bag, whatever. And then, I use volet straps to strap stuff just about anywhere I can on my bike or cages on the fork. Um, I had aero bars on my bike, but they went to someone else's bike. Um, so I rode without aero bars this year. So Peggy could have some new aero bars. You have my aero bars. I I know, but the girls, the girls had misplaced them and I couldn't get them put on. So I rode (laughs) without aero bars. Um, I, I'm very, I'm, it's funny. My bike has barring shifters. It's pretty much the original Fargo build. It's still a three by nine, um, titanium Fargo. And my, I, the other, I mean, I have access to lots of really good high-end bikes that I can go ride, but I always end up getting back on my Fargo. Um, and yeah, pretty much anywhere you can just throw something on the bike. I throw it on there. Like I have electrical tape around my seat post, so I know where it's supposed to sit, but then also if I need that electrical tape, I can unwind it and use it. I have Mm -hmm. like zip ties. Uh, I have two feedback or like Peggy mentioned feedbacks on your handlebars. Um, I either run two or four and I usually will put like my chapstick, sunscreen, toothbrush, like the stuff I need access to go in a mm-hmm. feedback. Um, and then ones for water bottle or coffee cup or whatever. Um, but yeah, stuff I can get access to. And then I have my tool cage underneath that I've had the same one since I started riding pretty much. It just, it's a plastic water bottle size thing that you put tools in so i think it was like Mm. nine bucks and it's lasted forever so wow i love it huh all right well that is we've got a lot of information so i hope our listeners have been taking notes like i have oh my god i'm gonna have to transfer these into my book but uh, i've taken some really good notes and i want to thank you guys uh both of you for for sharing your tips and tricks for being successful on these events and um yeah i just uh i don't know what to say like i'm really yeah there's a lot of things i didn't think about (laughs) that's why this is great to have your input on um and so tell us where people can find you peggy and damien we'll do you damien after um uh, I live in Kansas City, Missouri, and so 
Um, like on socials, where can they find you? <laughs> yes, I knew, I knew that. Uh, my address is. <laughs> no, not giving up. But um, I'm on Instagram. I'm uh, Peggy rides a bike. There's underscores and I love that. So Peggy underscore rides underscore uh, underscore bike, um, which is super. I really need to change that. It's really a lot to type in. Um, but and then um, Peggy Wait Bradley on um, Facebook. And so uh, I really need to update my blog, but yeah, uh, you can find me there on there. Um, this is a good reason to get your blog updated and, and on what you're doing this year. And if you order the new orange bud calendar, Peggy's on there twice. So I am. Yeah. Okay, just a second. Yeah. What is that orange spot calendar? Or, uh, orange, orange mud. Orange yeah. mud. Yeah. And if, and if you need hydration packs that I do recommend, not just because I'm an ambassador for them, but orange mud does make a really great hydration pack and they make a, um, a one specific for very long events like this, that has a lot of storage capacity. So if you happen to ride a bike that doesn't have brazons for a bunch of, you know, things yeah. you don't want to tape things to your bike. Right. Um, they do have one that has like a 12 liter capacity for things like extra clothes, things like that, that I actually will um, use for adventure type mm -hmm. rides. Um, and it's very comfortable. So, I mean, just to, I guess what we'll do is we'll, we'll, um, we'll add that link so people can go check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah we, we had talked about trying to get Josh. Get, uh, he's, I know he's busy, you know, like, but he's, he's finished cannonball. I like, he's yeah. actually, he showed up late and caught up to us. Um, he's done yeah. a lot of, he, he designed these packs because he was in oh, cool. rides and races and he sells tons of them. Um, he did XL last year. Um, All right. Yes, well, we'll have XL. to talk to him too. So that is orange mud. Yes. Yeah. I guess you could just Google that too, but we'll put it in the show notes and uh, Damien, tell us where they, everybody can find you on socials again uh smithville bike co-op on instagram and it's smv bike co-op on or sorry smv bike co-op on instagram facebook smithville bike, bike co-op um we have and tiktok's the same um we love making tiktoks for the yeah. shop it's oh cool um, i'm gonna start sharing your stuff i need something some content to share i'm like uh it's mostly the girls doing weird i mean yeah i um, as Peggy know, I mean, our shop is one of the few that is very female friendly. Yes. Um, I, I try to stay out of the way. Um, almost everybody that works here is female. <laughs> um, even at one, I mean, my, my main mechanic is that's why Peggy has a shirt. Cause uh, those are the Ruby shirts, but yeah, we, um, let me see coach. the logo there, Peggy. Oh, I love it. Yeah, that's actually one of the orange. Oh, very cool. Made. I was yeah, looking at it from afar. I'm like, oh, that looks really nice. And we made mechanic shirts black because, you know, you rub your hands well, on your shirt. Of course. Yeah, you know, um, <laughs> and we let Peggy have one because she really wanted one. I did. Um, I liked the Ruby. shirt. So Ruby, let me have one. <laughs> yeah, so Ruby, Ruby is uh, our main mechanic. She is a high school senior right now. She's been working here three years um, and she has apprenticed with some good mechanics, but um, when she's not wrestling, uh, she just is wrapping up wrestling season. She's the first four-year female wrestler we have for our high school. Um, wow. Usually here at the bike shop giving me trouble. Um, <laughs> so like, Ruby, would you take care of him? That's yeah. Awesome. She, uh, <laughs> and, and we've had a lot of good people work here at the co-op. And um, we're just here to have fun. I mean, Kelly, uh, my manager, she's out there selling bikes right now or, you know, set up 
some promotional stuff or, or whatever, I just try to stay out of the way. Let Peggy no. do the thing. That's awesome. So I just want to thank you guys again. And thanks for our listeners for tuning in. I'd love to know what you guys uh, took away from this particular episode with regards to endurance riding. If you happen to participate participating in an event this summer that you are kind of not quite sure about, um, hopefully these guys provide some great feedback for you. So with that, don't forget to follow us on Instagram and our YouTube channel. Um, where all these episodes do end up and, uh, and then, um, notif- uh, putting on the notifications and, uh, all that jazz. So thanks a lot, everybody. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. You guys. Can I, can I say one thing? Yeah, for sure. Um, anybody who thinks that they can't do this, especially women, mm-hmm. they can. So if, if I can do this, you guys can do this. Just try it. Like they're super fun and super rewarding. And even if you don't finish, you tried something that 99% of the cycling community didn't try. So like, just go fucking do it and try it. And you'd be surprised at what your body can do. Cause it's a blast. Like even the suffering's fun, maybe not in the moment, but like later on, <laughs> when you look back super, on it. You're like, yeah, yeah, you'll be super proud of yourself. And you may find the one thing that you were looking for in, in racing or in riding. Um, that's what mm-hmm. I found. So just like, don't, don't sell yourself short. That's all I yeah. want to say. And if anybody's listening, if you're going to Barry Roubaix and you're a woman, you have to look me up. I'm going. Uh, we're going to have a team tent. So it's going to be red. It says Cycle Fit Chicks on there. I know it's not the shirt, but. Um, and you are more than welcome to come and join us underneath the canopy there. And, uh, and then after your event. So we can all just hang out and get to know each other. So. I did it last year. It was my first time there and we had a blast. I met like eight new women from across Michigan. It was really cool. So, all right, everyone. Thank you so much and have an amazing day. Thank you so much for spending this time with me on the Secrets from the Saddle podcast. Learning more about sighting people, places, and things that make cycling such an exciting sport. I am so glad you stopped by today. Please leave me a review if you feel so moved to do so. I would love to hear your feedback. And if you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it, I would be forever grateful. Also, if you could please leave me a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving me an honest thought and an honest comment telling me what you think, and most importantly, tell me what you'd like to hear more of. It would really help me to bring more great, inspiring cycling stories to you. Until then, have an amazing day. Make sure you ride your bike. And don't forget to visit my YouTube channel if you'd like to see the full version of this podcast live.